Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Haro, and we are keeping score inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Sports coming back. Is there spike? Are stadiums safe? More people coming back into the stadiums? A whole lot of stuff to take a look at. So let's start with deal-making, 3-1. to one. First of all, number three, U.S. Tennis Association announced plans to lay off 110 staff and close its New York headquarters as it attempts to mitigate the financial fallout of the pandemic. The move comes as the governing body, which organizes the U.S. Open Major and Series, implements a restructuring process designed to save as much as $20 million amid the COVID-19 crisis. According to ESPN, senior USTA executives have already taken tiered pay cuts, while the organization has also cut back on other operational areas, such as marketing and player development. In addition to putting all non-essential capital projects on hold and canceling key meetings, jobless cuts amount to 20% reduction in the organization's staff. Remaining employees based at the headquarters in White Plains are set to relocate to a still undetermined location elsewhere in the state. ESPN reports add that scores of long-term employees age 50 or over have been offered voluntary departure packages, including 40 weeks of severance pay and health insurance. The USTA still hopes to stage the 2020 U.S. Open in its normal late summer window, despite pushback from many of the game's top players. And that's number three. Number two, whether it's the best football league in the world or simply the best marketed one, the Premier League's return is big news for soccer sponsors. Absence has indeed made the heart fonder, according to the top marketers from Barclays, Budweiser, Cadbury, and Coca-Cola, official partners who now look upon the EPL in a new light. Oliver Bridge, senior brand manager at Coke Great Britain and Ireland, told SportsPro that Coca-Cola has had to adapt its plans as the sport went into its enforced hiatus. The priorities focused on supporting staff, communities, and frontline workers, as well as one million donated drinks in Great Britain. With its bottling partners, the Coca-Cola Foundation contributed over $120 million globally to support COVID-19 relief efforts. But this approach is set to evolve, particularly with the return of the Premier League. Following in the footsteps of the Bundesliga, the EPL and its partners are now set for a June 17 return with a host of health and safety measures in place. In the U.S., however, Coca-Cola ended its Major League Baseball sponsorship, which began in 2017. Coke replaced Pepsi, which had been the official MLB category partner from 97 to 2016. And that's number two. Number one, golf fans return to the gallery in Ohio. When the first post-COVID stoppage PGA Tour event kicked off last week in Fort Worth, only essential personnel on the grounds, fans watching from outside perimeter fence don't count. However, next month, the Memorial Tournament in Dublin, Ohio, plans to be the first event to allow fans on property during a tournament. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine approved the event's request to consider lifting the state's large crowd restrictions. The memorial is looking forward to becoming the example of how public gathering events can be developed and implemented with approved and accepted protocols in place, the tournament said in a release. According to the Columbus Dispatch, 
the memorial planning to allow up to 8,000 masked spectators onto the property at a time, 20% of its normal capacity. No bleachers, and each hole will feature a designated sitting and standing corral where a predetermined number of fans will be allowed to gather. PGA tournament set to take place one week prior, also at Muirfield, will not allow fans to attend. Maybe it's just a warm-up for the next event. Well, golf did kick off, and it is important that we take a look at how golf is moving forward. It is a schedule which is packed with action and majors, every action except the British Open, and of course, every event counting for the FedEx Cup with the final event being a significant one, the Masters in November. Steve Wilmot is the director of the RBC Heritage Tournament. The second event in the comeback happened to be the week that we post this and frankly couldn't come at a better time. Steve also was elected to be vice chairman of the Tournament Advisory Council for the PGA Tour. Its mission is to improve the business conditions for all tournaments by establishing and maintaining relationships between tournaments, the PGA Tour, and the Tour players. The issue of tournament safety and how to come back is obviously very important. Steve also had the perspective, as we did this interview, of watching two days at the Colonial without fans, giving us some perspective of what his tournament will look like this week and what the future tournaments will look like through the rest of the year. Ken Levicka with the ESPN Honda Classic Live and the boardroom, which is involved with my local show in South Florida, did the interview. Steve has been a friend, and we needed to have his perspective on this as we get into an exciting time during this year and more. So Steve Wilmot, PGA Tour Advisory Council, RBC event, gives us some perspective. I'm Ken Lavica, and it is uh, really, uh, even if there's no fans, a thrill to be watching live golf down there in Fort Worth at Colonial. And uh, we're going to be continuing on with the revised PGA Tour season next weekend on Hilton Head, and it'll be the RBC Heritage. Uh, this is a tournament that supposed to be played right after the Masters and got pushed back. They uh, found room for it and major adjustment period, and uh, a man who's been working extremely hard to really on the fly and on expedited notice make sure that this tournament can go on without a hitch. Steve Wilmot, the tournament director, three-plus decades with the RBC Heritage, and he joins us here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, Steve, good morning. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us for a while. I know you've probably got significantly better things to do, but uh, what uh, what is the last? Uh, we'll just kind of try and go in chronological order here. What is the last two and a half months been like for you? Really, starting with the the call that the original date was canceled. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for um, you know reaching out to us and uh, you, you all and your great event down there is a part of this big old family of the PGA Tour and you do an incredible job down there and things. But uh, um, how much time do we have to speak? I mean, I can, <laughs> I can tell you, there's uh, a lot certainly has gone on and uh, and to go back a little bit too is um, you know it, it wasn't a matter of us having been pushed back it was a matter of us being canceled back on march 17th uh um you know we were very optimistic that we were going to be able to pull it off in april and um but again the you know the safety and 
the well-being of everybody was front and center leading into that decision, working with the tour, working with our title sponsor, RBC, working with our local and state officials. So when that did happen, it was, you know, if there's something I learned is never say never because there, we weren't, there was no possibility of us being on the schedule. There was no opening. There was no conversation whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, you know, so we were canceled the event and about two weeks later it was you know with all the things happening with the british and the u.s uh, open and some other things that you know next thing i know there was an opportunity and we we jumped at it you know we looked at it as a, a great way if we could be a part of the solution in the process knowing that things are what were happening in the world it's um you know it's certainly a lot easier you know, to pull the plug than, than the plan, and you can you can pull the plug overnight, but you can't plan overnight. So we jumped right into it and been getting after it for the last, uh, you know, almost two months. I know that at the onset, uh, one of your major concerns, and certainly the community there in Hilton Head, is how much money is going to be lost because this is not only huge for that area, but for the state of South Carolina and it's it's one of these things that becomes an annual event, and a lot of organizations are dependent upon what happens with this event. What sort of steps have been taken to quell those concerns? What has it been like with you and partners from the event and some of the discussions over the last several weeks? Well, well, great question. It's just like you all there. You you know, we all at the end of the day, we do what we do for the sake of giving back and charity, and uh, um, in. We basically have been running two events because, honestly, what did not happen in April is complete standalone, has its own separate identity. It's a, uh, um, you know, an ex- really a mutually exclusive event because we had we had spent a, almost a million and a half in our build out, and uh, we had sponsors that were engaged. We had our tickets, we had our programs sold out, and then all of a sudden that was canceled. And um, at that point. Certainly the week of the tournament is when our concessionaires are all civic organization. That's important. You know, the raising of the dollars that uh, um, those four weeks that the tournament was canceled to, we do over almost $800,000 in ticket sales. So that was gone. We spent a million and a half. So so we really had some homework to do there, and there, there wasn't a playbook with that. So, you know, let alone, you know, we addressed our ticket holders from, you know, refunds to deferment to donation. And we did the same with our program participants. And we did the same with our sponsors. And, you know, explaining to them that, you know, it's one thing to just refund them the, the money because, you know, we had a lot of costs associated that was already spent. But uh, we had to stop our charity programs uh, at that time. And this was a part of before the decision was made to do this in April or, excuse me, June next week. Um, and working with RBC in the tour, uh, you know, there's no revenue opportunity next week, but RBC, and you know, is working very closely with us to get back on track to, to, to be there so that 21 will be bigger and better and go from there. So uh, um, see, the, the tough part is it is the charities, but it's also we in our community here. I mean, we're the – we don't compete with the NFL or Major League Baseball or NHL or NBA. I mean, we're – we're the biggest show in the state of South Carolina, and the economic impact is in excess of a hundred million dollars. So that went away. Um, but but then again, with the, the COVID nineteen, this community has has certainly struggled through that, as we all have. 
struggled through it. But this opportunity next week, there certainly is a an economic impact that will happen. But more than anything, it gets to show the world that you know golf is back. This community, the Low Country, South Carolina, we're open for business. You know, here we go, and uh, um, you know, then we can get our charitable programs get going again, and all those other things. So. Yeah, that's a great point. If anything, it turns into a four day infomercial for uh, for the area and the state. Uh, RBC Heritage Harbor Town is the site next week as the PGA Tour returns from its COVID nineteen suspension. Hanging out with Steve Wilmot, the tournament director of the RBC Heritage here on ESPN 106.3. It's Honda Classic Live. A couple of weeks back, we were talking with Mike Toth, the tournament director of the Charles Schwab Challenge, and uh, they obviously in action this weekend, first tournament back from the suspension, and he said there were just a lot of unknowns, and they were sort of just flying by the seat of their pants at times and consulting with the local medical experts and uh, the PGA Tour and trying to make sure that they get it right, and nothing's going to be perfect, especially early on like this. How much communication Communication, if any, uh, do you have with other tournaments, maybe even Mike down there in Fort Worth, trying to share notes and just get a feel for how things should proceed in the the, the right now, the temporary uh, situation that golf finds itself? Well, it, it, it's interesting. And um, Tothi, as we call him over there, too, uh, um, we, the first four, as you can say, and knowing that we were without spectators and we're the testing and the and the scanning and all these things we were doing, we've we've communicated from the tournament directors, Nathan Groove next week and Travelers, and then Jason Langwell. We communicated throughout the last month or so on a, almost a daily basis in some form or fashion. And we had some Zoom calls and you know and kind of told stories. And then our operation teams have been working very closely together, and uh, so our ops teams have been all in communication as well and. And, and the thing about it is in, in, the, in the tour, I mean, the tours are very much engaged in, in extremely so, and they, they want us all to do the right things. And I can tell you right now, we're, we're currently learning things that are being done in Colonial, um, you know, with Michael, and there's things that we're going to do that will be different or we're tweaking here, and it's going to be, you know, then come the following week up at Travelers in Hartford, it's going to be tweaked even better. And so... We're all learning through this process, and um, it's funny because I've told people that, you know, come the end of next week or the end of June, I'm taking two words out of my vocabulary, and that's fluid and uh, the bubble, because <laughs> it's, uh, um, it is very, it's been extremely fluid because there's no playbook. There's no game plan for this, and uh, um, so with us going through these things, you know, a conversation we might have had three weeks ago at 10 o'clock would have been different at 11 o'clock, which would have been different at 12 o'clock just because we're, we're going through it for the first time and trying to figure these things out. But, uh, um, you have some brilliant, you know, people involved and, you know, the tours done an incredible job with medical advisors and support and, you know, everybody's been in it. We've been sharing best practices and there'll be things that, you know, we'll do wrong next week and, um, which will only help uh, other tournaments, uh, down the road and, uh, um, in those tournaments down the road and even like the Honda Classic come next year, they're gonna, you'll all be better for through the, these things that we're going through too. So it's, um, you know, we're all in it together, that's for sure. You as the tournament director, when you get the call that, hey, we want to, 
uh, uncancel the tournament, uh, for lack of a better term, and we want to put it uh, in the middle of June. It'll be our second tournament back. You as tournament director, your focus from what would traditionally be the tournament in April where you're worried about hospitality and fans in addition to the comfort of the players, where does that shift? Where does your focus go now as the tournament director of the RBC Heritage in its current state? Well, I mean, the, the one thing that people, you know, they under, some understand, some don't. I mean, you just don't have grass seed out there and you throw, sprinkle a little water on it and everything's, you know, perfect. Uh, uh, normally, this time of year in this community um, and in the low country in South, you don't play golf. I mean, it, everyone's uh, airifying, everyone's going through the transition phase and all, but... Uh, um, so it wasn't just a matter of, you know, yes, the question, the answer I left to the tour was yes is the answer, what's the question? But there were a lot of things moving parts with regards to what the tour was thinking about, you know, hotels, availability, accommodations, the golf course, you know, could the golf course be ready? Could it, it you know, in the conditions, is it, you know, how would that transition out? You know, the COVID-19, nothing was open. The clubhouse has not been open or the golf course since, uh, you know, early March. Um, so they're going to have, they're going to have conditions that are going to be incredible because it's transition. No one's played three months. So that was a big concern was the golf course, but then the community, there's people that have, this is a resort community different than Fort Worth, different than Hartford, different than, um, um, Detroit coming up. So, you know, there's people that have already rented homes from a year ago that are here this week going, geez, what's, what's going on? And, uh, it's going to be a different feel, but, uh, um, so it's been a hundred, well, a majority of it has been operational and, um, you know, and, and tightening things up. We're, we're like your golf course too. It's, you know, Michael Toth out in Colonial, as the people have been watching on TV, it's a core golf course, beautiful facility, great golf course, but, you know, they have parallel fairways. There's a big fence that goes around it, and uh, um, you don't see in no homes. And here we have, we go through a private residential community uh, with homes and villas and condos and streets, and, um, you know, that's going to be some of the, the biggest challenges we have next week is some security, and even though it's not uh, – it's return to golf without spectators. We're going to have some crowd control matters because of the homes and things around there too. Sure, that's uh, that's actually uh, an exceptional point. Uh, I did not even think about that. The proximity of the course to homes. Uh, we have uh, seen the memorial uh, get the go ahead to have a limited number of fans. Uh, I, I'm just curious in your situation with the RBC Heritage. Was it ever posed to the PGA Tour and to local authorities about the prospect of, of having a, a limited capacity for the tournament? No. I mean, it really the first four, we all, I mean, there was even, there early on, there was even a conversation of a little bit of, okay, no spectators, but maybe a pro-am and, and some things, but then, you know, some of us looked at how how can you have no fans, but then spectators, but then you have the social distancing and some other things. So, um, you know, we're all, um, you know, we're all in it to the fact that it, it was it was never discussed, it was never part of the plan. And you know, again, there's you know, there's our, our community is a um, there were there were some concerns prior to our April this, or our March decision to cancel, and even now with um, COVID nineteen still being out there is 
you know, should we do it? Why are we bringing the player? Why, why is, you know, CBS coming in and bringing their, you know, there's been some of those concerns. So we've, well, we have control of the golf course, uh, the bubble, the clubhouse, uh, we feel very good about, um, you know, we have, um, communicated with the community and the island and the rental companies and the property owners about please practice social distancing and understand, but, um, you know, you won't see trees and backgrounds. You'll see back people's back decks, and uh, I, I imagine there's going to be a few people on those decks and watching some golf next week. Steve Wilmot, RBC Heritage Tournament Director. You have overseen this tournament in good times. The purse has skyrocketed over the last several years. You've seen it through some bad times, trying to navigate through some sponsor troubles, and this is just another chapter in uh, this long history of the RBC Heritage, and certainly a uh, a unique one. And this really is the uh, signifying event of Hilton Head and of that area getting back to business as we continue to fight through coronavirus. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this, but uh, do you feel any pressure, uh, more so than usual, to make sure that this thing goes off smoothly? Well, you just didn't make me feel good right there. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I am honored. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of something as special as this and with regards to the charity component of the efforts of what the foundation's about and giving back. Um, you know, and it's not about me. It's about we. I have an incredible staff, incredible people. It's a team effort. And, uh, um, yes, I, I look at my wife every year going, geez, I just want that status quo year. And there, it's, there's no such thing as status quo. It's status go. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, there's no, no question. I, I'm, I'm sensitive to things, but I also feel confident in, in, our team, um, and confidence in this community and confidence in our volunteers and that we're going to, we're going to do the right things and put our best foot forward under these conditions and these circumstances. And yes, I'm maybe the head coach, but you know what? You can't be the head coach without a lot of great players. And I've got an incredible team and, uh, this community is fantastic. You mentioned that uh, it's been a while since anybody played on the uh, on the course. So, uh, what are we going to uh, expect from Harbortown next week? What uh, what can viewers expect from uh, from the course? How is it going to challenge the field? Well, you know what's interesting, and even if you look at uh, Colonial this week too, is um, you know some of the the weather is going to be different for us. You know, it, it is from April to now, and the winds are going to be different. To t- you know, it's certainly going to be warmer, humidity, and things too. But you know, the depth per- perception. I've heard a couple of players interviewed that talking about the, the tournaments, let alone ours in specific too. Is you know, some of these players that have been here before, they know the sight lines, they know the TV towers, they know the bleachers, they know so many things. There's nothing out there, you know. So. Um, but the funny thing is, is I heard that Jim Furyk had mentioned this the other day. Jim's like the funny thing for all the players is most of the players don't know what's behind the green because there's usually skyboxes and bleachers and things. Mm-hmm. So um, it could play differently. And the wind is uh, is going to be coming out of the south where it's normally coming out of the north in, uh, um, in April. So uh, it, it could play, but it's in immaculate condition. Um, it is Bermuda from tee to green. It transitioned incredibly well, but that's a thanks to the Sea Pines Resort and, and their leadership and ownership and wanting to put their best foot forward, too, under these circumstances. And unfortunately, the clubhouse, or fortunately, having a look at it, I mean, their restaurant, the clubhouse hasn't even been open since uh, 
you know, mid-March. So, um, you know, we, we move in there as well. We've been down there now and, uh, um, and the club is strictly for just, uh, the players and the caddies and some officials and the media center in that. And then they'll be open for business coming the Monday after the father's day on the 22nd. And, uh, are you anticipating pretty similar field to, uh, what, uh, we're having this weekend at colonial? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. As, and, uh, it, it, it's going to be one of, if not the best fields we've ever had. And we've actually, we have a few people that, you know, Colonial doesn't have, and Colonial has a few people we don't have, but it's a very comparable field, in which excites every, it's, it's unfortunate from one side, for the sake of all these local supporters and volunteers and sponsors in the years, can't come and watch and see it. But on the other hand, RBC's commitment and TV and all, we're going to have a lot of eyes in the skies watching some incredible golf you know, on an incredible golf course and in, in an awesome community. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we'll, we'll benefit it down, down the road. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited. And, you know, again, we thank RBC and the tour for giving us this opportunity. Really inspired by the work that uh, you all have done to ensure that we can get golf back underway. So uh, I don't think you need it, but best of luck. And uh, we'll definitely be oh. thinking about you next week when we're watching the tournament, okay? No, th- thank you. And thank you for all you do for south florida as well and and uh you know we're in it together and you know we've got this but it's uh truly it's uh, a team effort to be able to pull it off and uh look forward to it and thank you for uh allowing me to you know catch up with you all well golf is exciting as it comes back but certainly it's even more exciting as a safe environment seems like golf has it under control given the uncertainties of all sports in the future Welcome in to the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Horro. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. League-based competitions like traditional sports don't seem to be working for esports. Rocket League, which is basically soccer with cars and it's one of the bigger esports, is changing from a league-based model. The previous format saw teams compete in the RLCS. It's a format familiar to traditional sports fans. Teams play through a season, they go to a playoff, and then there's an offseason. Only difference is that there were two shorter RLCS seasons each calendar year instead of one long one. The new format will see teams compete in a series of tournaments leading to a world championship. It's a mix of traditional leagues like the NFL and individual sports major system like golf or tennis, but it doesn't really have a clean comparison to either one. With ongoing struggles for many league-based esports events including the Overwatch League, the Call of Duty League, and now the RLCS, it seems like esports won't be able to throw the traditional sports format on competitions and just call it a day. That's it for the C-Sports Minute. Now back to Rick Hora. Let's look at the top tech minute this week. Student-athletes at the University of Nebraska will each have a team dedicated to building their social media presence. 538 says more than 600 University of Nebraska student-athletes are expected to return to campus for the fall semester. And unlike other student-athletes around the country, each Husker will have an entire team dedicated to maximize their personal brands. In mid-March, the University of Nebraska and athlete marketing firm Open Doors announced the launch of the Ready Now program, the first-of-its-kind partnership to assist college athletes in marketing themselves as social media influencers. Every student-athlete will be provided a brand valuation as well as insights into how to augment their social media followings. The Ready Now program was timely in April. The NCAA announces support for a proposal that would allow student-athletes for the first time to be compensated for name, image, and likeness, as we know, 
and influencer marketing via social media will be the primary money-making vehicle for the modern-day student-athlete and could provide many hundreds or thousands of dollars. Finally, the Power of Sports Minute covers many, many issues, not just one. Bubba Wallace helps ban the Confederate flag in NASCAR and a car with a paint job supporting Black Lives Matter. Chelsea women donate 100,000 pounds WSL prize money to charity. The NFL adopted Black Lives Matter stance thanks to a rogue employee, it's Roger Goodell, who was very outspoken in his comments supporting the cause. Sports Network Athletes Unlimited announced original content programming to support women's pro sports leagues, and Olympians and Paralympics compete in a virtual boat race for charity. The themes are simple. Raising money that's significant, in many cases, wrap the cause around social justice as well as pandemic rebound, and have a very, very strong emotional commitment to the cause as we have done and will continue to do, we'll highlight many of these issues in our Sports Business Sports Power Minute. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swatek, V2 Content Studios, and Reuters Digital. I'm Rick Harrow. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time on Keeping Score.